Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hi there. Big episode here. Lots to get to. I'm just going to dive right into it. I'm going to cover the Pfizer video from Project Veritas a little bit later. There's an interesting revelation in that I think that a lot of people aren't discussing that you've heard me bring up on this show with regularity, but I'm going to get into that a little bit later. Lots of education things to get to per usual. Uh, some new peer-reviewed articles about the jabs hot off the presses that have newly been published. I want to talk, though, first at the beginning of this about uh, Simone Gold, and I want to briefly discuss the Tim Pool Stephen Crowder thing. In fact, I'm just going to start with that first. In my last Substack, when I was writing about that squabble that they were having regarding their contract, what was revealing about it, again, is that, first of all, most of it is useless, and, and I really don't care about any of it. The interesting part is that both of them, even though they side with one another and clearly don't favor the Daily Wire, and, and most people don't, which is great, and Steven Crowder is clearly on the right side of things when it comes to being more morally sound and caring more about the mission than the money, and it's beyond evident that that's the case, I still find the, the overall picture to be useless. And, and here's why. Steven Crowder doesn't cover everything that we cover, for example, on this show. Yes, he, may have a, he does have a far larger audience, of course, copious amounts of money, etc., etc. But I think that's the lesson in all of this. The lesson is, is that we all do a better job than Steven Crowder does covering very specific subjects, getting down to real history, the lies that we've been told over the course of time. And we cover those things because we're not afraid of being demonetized or being suspended off of platforms that, uh, you know, that we wouldn't normally touch because we know that we would get suspended. I mean, if this show were on YouTube, it would get suspended almost immediately. If I was on Twitter, Saying the things that I say there and, and posting the videos that I post, there's there's no way I would be on there for very long. So that's you know, that's that's the larger picture, I think, and that's the bigger problem. Again, I think he's on the right side of things as far as their own little sphere of influence is concerned. The problem again is that they're historically inaccurate when it comes to major historic events and even current events. And that's the larger problem. Again, I'm not afraid to bring up those subjects on this show. I encourage people to go out and reach, research them for themselves. I've brought up numerous, uh, you know, numerous outlets where people can go and do that. They're, they're interested more in maintaining the game that they're playing, whatever game that, that is. Again, Tim Pool and his group, very noncommittal regarding a variety of subjects. And of course, they're always trying to play sort of devil's advocate and, and ask certain questions and say, look, I don't have a stance on this. I don't care about this. Um, you know, I, re I really don't have a position. I just want to go back to that comfortable thing that I always talk about. Again, you've heard me say that in, in war, which is exactly where we are and have been for quite some time, that's not a good place to sit. It's a nice, comfortable place to keep people so that you maintain, again, that game and that illusion that you're playing in order to generate revenue. 
but it's not about te- it's 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 not really about learning what the truth is so that you can then tell the truth because once a person knows what the truth is you can't not say it you can't not tell it you have to tell the truth and then you immediately again start shedding all of the lies and the things that we were taught in school and the things that we've heard on TV and whatever else, and you start to recognize that that's not real. That the truth is out there, that you can find it. Yes, it's hidden, but you can still find it. And these are the things, again, that I would encourage anybody to do, but it's not things that they're going to do because they all, regardless of what side they sit on, they're all still playing the wrong part of the game which is not figure, f- figuring out basically what the truth is and then just telling it. I, of course, also find it interesting that even Steven Crowder and Tim Poole come from Disney, that they were once employed by Disney. Of course, Steven Crowder was a child actor, and Tim Poole, I don't know what he did at Disney, but they have Disney connections. I find that to be odd. Um, again, beyond that, I think it just exposed the Daily Wire, too, for being the worst of the worst. Which is, which is not unusual. I mean, those of us who have paid attention to them, seen the way that they, that they do things, and even Steven Crowder called it radio for television, that they basically just do radio for TV. That's true, and it's not very good. I mean, regardless of the person who's in front of a microphone on that entire Daily Wire channel, yes, they may have different names and last names and first names and whatever, but they all say the same shit. I mean, they all say the exact same things. uh, And it's just one parrot after another, just parroting what the other person is saying on a constant basis. So I, I don't, I don't think it's interesting. I've never found the daily wire to be interesting. I've never spent any time there. I certainly don't pay them. Uh, As far as Steven Crowder goes, again, full disclosure, when I was in graduate school in 2014, 2015, when I started, I was a Mug Club member. I got a free subscription through them because I was a student. They ended up just giving me a free subscription. I didn't get a mug, not that I cared, but they never sent me a mug. And, And I, you know, I had a free subscription to it for at least a year, if not two years. And I watched it and I, you know, I listened to his show and, and I learned a great deal. As I was doing that, though, I was recognizing that there's a lot that he's not talking about that he could talk about. And then, of course, he, that, that's back when he was with CRTV. And I like CRTV. I mean, it was fine. It was kind of like the Daily Wire setup where, you know, there were different personalities, but everybody pretty much, you know, seemed to agree on a number of different things. And then they would interview each other and whatever else. But, um, Again, I'm not discrediting the work that they've done. The Change My Mind stuff is interesting. It highlights the insanity on college campuses and a variety of other areas. But there's so much more that they're not talking about because they're still believing things that are not real. And that's the larger problem. You know, they they, they will use, for example, Alex Jones as sort of the pincushion, and they'll say, well, we're inviting Alex Jones in to talk about particular issues. And then Alex Jones will talk about particular issues on their programs, and then they get demonetized or they get suspended or whatever. And and then they wonder why. And their defense, of course, which is going to lead me to something else that I'm going to describe later regarding education in a video that's bouncing around about some tranny or whatever else, some non-binary idiot uh, trying to brainwash kids. But 
the point is is that they'll use that as the excuse to try to to try to get away from some penalty. They'll say, "Well, Alex Jones brought it up. It wasn't us bringing up this, uh, you know, th- this factual historic event or that factual historic event or this or that." It's it's you know it was Alex Jones. We just had him on our show. It wasn't us saying it. It was him. Therein lies the problem, because they're using him as a pincushion and as a battering ram instead of just understanding that the platforms that they're on that aren't la- allowing them to speak freely that that's the larger issue. Which means again, what country are we living in if that's the case? Which again is what I said in the Substack article. We have to ascend beyond those people, is my ultimate point. They offer nothing at this point anymore. We offer more. We can offer more to ourselves just by, again, sitting in a room, reading a book, getting on the internet, bouncing around on certain boards, expanding our thinking. By doing that, we're going to gain more information at a faster rate than anything that Steven Crowder and his crowd can put together and present to us. Again, he has a variety show. So it's comedy, it's skits, it's uh, comedy you know, presentations and political discussions and this, that, and the other. Again, if that's what he wants to do, he gets to do it. The problem is, is that's not going to win the war. That's not going to win anything. It's entertaining in war. But it's not the answer. And what the Daily Wire offers, of course, is not the answer. And what Tim Pool offers is not the answer. Now, this is my opinion, and I'm entitled to it because this is my show. But that's, that's my take. There's more information out there that is more valid and more accurate. And uh, again, to use this word, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm, or we'll use this phrase. And I'm just going to basically say it throughout, in particular with this next story about Simone Gold, is that these people have an expiration date. Okay, they, they're a milk carton and there's a date on it. Just like when I was watching Steven Crowder back when I was in graduate school, eventually I was learning more than what Steven Crowder was offering me. And I was learning more on my own, which meant what? I stopped watching Steven Crowder. I just stopped watching it. I stopped paying attention to it, and I and I shifted my focus to more serious things, um, you know, in, in other outlets in other directions. So, these people have expiration dates. I'm not saying that they're not useful for someone, in particular, maybe a younger crowd who is trying to learn about particular things and trying to figure out that yes, the truth is interesting. And it can be funny, and it can be horrific, and it can be very serious. But ultimately, they have an expiration date. This show may have an expiration date for a number of people. And people listen to this, and they go, yeah, Sean, I got it. Now I'm just going to go somewhere else and find out other information. That's fine. That's fine. Go for it. I'm I'm trying to keep this as relevant and as ahead of the curve as I possibly can. So that when something happens, it's not so much of a surprise. I'm not sure that's what goes on with Tim Pool, Steven Crowder, The Daily Wire, and shows of that ilk. They're not, they're not concerned with that. They're concerned, again, with just maintaining what it is that they have and not rocking the boat too much. 
So some of them want to rock the boat and some of them don't. Either way, if they're rocking the boat and not telling the truth, that's a problem, which means, again, we have to ascend uh, you know, above that and beyond that and move past it because, again, that wavelength of thought, in my opinion, has an expiration date, and then you just move past it. So I just wanted to get that out of the way and mention that because I watched him on Tim Pool's show, and uh, it was interesting and telling, and um, again, he's on the right side of it when it comes to their level of squabbling. But there's, you know, there's more factual information out there than what those programs can offer is my point. So there you go. Okay. The next thing. America's frontline doctors and Simone Gold. So, a lot of updates here and this might get a little long. So my apologies. Simone Gold has released a what she's calling a press release. It's a Zoom call that she had with her head of security and then some other lawyers, apparently. And it's on the AFLDS website, and you can watch the video, and it's about an hour long. Uh, This is Simone Gold's first public, so to speak, description of the lawsuits that she has faced from Joey Gilbert and what has occurred and the allegations of her stealing and inappropriately spending money and, and this, that, and the other. Uh, I'm going to go through this point by point. You can watch the video yourself if you'd like. I think it's I think it's an interesting story she tells. It's plausible what she is saying is true. There's much of what she says, of course, I would say from a personality standpoint regarding herself, that is clearly not true and reeks of uh, immoral behavior. But at the same time, it's possible that that what she is saying is is plausible. So here's essentially what she says. She says that she sits on the board of AFLDS with three other people, all men, Joey Gilbert and two other guys, one of which is associated with mega churches or, you know, big business churches in the state of Texas. She addresses the allegations of inappropriately spending money in particular regarding the $3.2 million home that was purchased in Naples. She, she claims that, and she's suing Joey Gilbert for defamation, I believe, and trying to get a judge to throw him and the other people off of the board of AFLDS, even though Simone Gold doesn't hold a majority stake in AFLDS. Either way, she, re- regarding the finances, she states that uh, again, forgive me, I'm, I'm, I have notes on this, but I'm sort of doing this from memory too. She states that Joey Gilbert was a part of the home purchase and knew about it, and that the reason for the home purchase was because they decided to use Naples, Florida, not California, because they didn't want to set up base there, I guess, or their financial base or business base, whatever you want to call it. They wanted to set it up in Naples, Florida. And so they purchased this $3.2 million home, four bedrooms, four bath, whatever, uh, to use it basically as an office, according to her, a place where they could meet and they could you know, meet up with donors and meet up with people and, and whatever else. 
She also claims, of course, that they needed vehicles because they're putting 50,000 miles on these vehicles and traveling around a lot, and that's not uncommon for a business. And that Joey Gilbert, of course, was a part of all of this, which shocked her as to why that he, you know, he would claim that she was stealing it when, in fact, apparently, allegedly, he was involved with the purchase of all of it and approved all of it, as did everybody else, according to her. Um, I'm going to speak about Naples, Florida, for a minute. Simone Gold, again, refers to what she is engaging in as the freedom movement. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've never said that. I've never said the freedom movement. I don't know many people who do, other than people who are trying to sell something to someone, and it's a slogan. So, I've never said, you know, this is the freedom movement. No, I've, you know, I've never done that, but I know people who have, and it, it, you know, I don't know, it reeks to me. It just reeks of a slogan in a business model. She, she openly states in her storytelling of all of this that, because again, she's playing the perpetual victim and claiming, of course, that money isn't something that she pays attention to. And I'll get to that a little bit later. But she talks about in this video about how she specifically picked Naples, Florida, because they viewed that as the epicenter of the freedom movement and that it was a great place to fundraise. Now, I've been to Naples, Florida dozens and dozens and dozens of times. I lived right up the road from it, about an hour, you know, hour, hour and a half away. I would go to, in my free time, I would go to their beach in the historic district of Naples, a very nice beach, quiet, peaceful, um, nice restaurants, good food, good drinks, you know, just, you could, you could go there and relax. But there was, it's evident that there's a lot of money in Naples and there's a lot of old money in Naples too. So for her to say that she's not in it for the money and people who are doing this aren't in it for the money. And yet in the same breath, she says that they chose Naples, Florida as the epicenter of the freedom movement because they knew that they could fundraise there is a direct contradiction to what she's stating. She knows that there's money in Naples, Florida to be had from the elderly, and she knows that she can siphon that money out of them into her own funds. She openly states, too, that she's sitting on at least $17 million in the bank from donations that she's received. She openly states that she personally has received personal checks from people, hundreds if not thousands, she says. And then, of course, she mentions that she has a few large, upwards of six, I believe she said, uh, large philanthropist donations from people. Uh, she doesn't name them, of course, but, but she, she makes that well known. Again, I find it very strange that she says she's not in it for the money. Who would be in this for the money? And that she doesn't pay attention to the money, yet she knows all of these numbers and is clearly strategic about what it is that they're doing. She also, I might add, wastes no time. She wastes absolutely no time on at least two or three occasions, openly stating that she is the, and I'm paraphrasing her, but she said that she's the creative energy 
the brains and the figurehead and comes up with all the good ideas in America's frontline doctors. She openly says this in front of at least one of her other employees who's in on the call. So, you know, that that's, uh, I mean, she's obviously full of herself. I, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, there are people that, that, that they employ, and here she is saying, well, I'm the brains behind all of it. I'm the one that comes up with all the ideas, and I'm the one that makes all the decisions, and I'm the one, I'm the one. Well, well good for you. Good for you. Um, you know, she, of course, also, as you've heard me state, for, for someone who claims to not care about money, she specifically, of course, sold her first book for $100 a copy when she was touring in 2021, if not before that. And of course, uh, if not after that, she would sign the inside of the book and then charge people $100 for a paperback copy that's probably a book that's over 100 pages. But remember, she's not in it for the money. Weird. The other thing, too, that she mentioned, again, very callous and a, and a, and a terrible uh, example, I think, in comparison. She said that she pays herself or started paying herself at the beginning $10,000 a month. And then it went up to $15,000 a month. And then she raised her own pay up to like $20,000 a month. She used that as the excuse by as as an excuse by comparing it to her medical practice as an emergency room physician, and that the money that she was paying herself from AFLDS doesn't even come close to what she made as a medical professional. So I made more as a doctor than I did at AFLDS, and I'm not in it for the money, but I'm paying myself fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a month. But remember. She's not in it for the money. She, she's, she's not concerned with the money, doesn't really pay attention to the money. Her boyfriend, John Strand, who she openly admits is her significant other in this video, she doesn't talk about how much money that he's paid, and he's allegedly one of the quote-unquote creative directors for AFLD. Weird. Weird. Again. It's uh, it, it it it's weird and it and it gets more weird. Um, she was asked a question because essentially all of the people in on the Zoom call were bootlickers of hers, and she's like, "Oh, thank God you're all lawyers and we get to talk about legal stuff because that's just great because those are the conversations I want to have." Uh, so, and and they ask her softball questions and then say, "You know, we defend you, Doctor Gold. We're with you. We're we're on your side." She's asked about gold care and what that is and when that's getting started. She openly says that she understands that people donate money to her with the understanding that she's going to spend said money on getting some medical alternative up and running for people so that they have access to whatever they want, I guess, medically. Whether that be exemptions, paperwork, physicals, medicine, I don't know. But it was last summer when she was talking about gold care. 
go to goldcare.org or go to goldcare whatever when she was on Kate Daly's show last August, if I'm not mistaken. There's no such thing as gold care. What she does say is that it will be up and running in the next two weeks or it's being beta tested in the next two weeks. And she said, of course, it was delayed because of all of these lawsuits and whatever else. Okay. That's fine. Expiration date. Do you see what I mean? Simone Gold has an expiration date. And her time has passed. She's useless now. She's absolutely useless. The things that she's offering, we can get ourselves. We don't need her. We don't need America's frontline doctors. We don't need them anymore. They're useless. No one associates with them anymore. As you've heard me say, Lee Merritt, Ryan Cole, these people that used to associate Todd Callender, they don't associate with her anymore or that organization. They're not a part of it. They're not in on it. They're just not, it's not their thing. They're doing other things. Simone Gold's trying to keep a sinking boat afloat and keeping and, and doing whatever she can to remain relevant. She's irrelevant. It boils down to that. She's just irrelevant. Which brings me to this. I played the 12-minute audio of an alleged whistleblower who used to work for AFLDS and um, AFLD, whatever. And, uh, and she was on, she was on Stu Peters and she, she was talking about how Simone Gold yells and, and, and doesn't allow other ideas and she screams and she's a bully and she's allegedly, you know, just treating people like trash. If that's true, that wouldn't surprise me based on my interaction with her and, and just watching her mannerisms around other people. She walks around like her shit doesn't stink. This is a problem, of course just from a personality standpoint. She is now suing Stu Peters for defamation, and she openly states this, because he defamed her, according to her, when in fact he was just having a conversation with the person about her. That's all. Again, he openly invited people or I should say her, on the show to clear things up. And that, of course, conversation takes place during the Zoom call where she's asked, are you, are you willing to go on these shows and talk about this lawsuit? And she goes, yes, I am. I, I would be willing to do that. Stu Peters should reach out to her and grill her ass about her behavior and the way that she treats people, if she does treat people that way. And then, of course, name the person who used to work there, who was apparently ex-military, who was mistreated by Simone Gold along with Simone Gold's sycophants. And again, the sycophants were on the Zoom call. No one was asking her tough questions. No one, there was no one there from any independent agency, nothing like that. It was just, you know, we're with you, we support you, lick boots, lick boots. That, that's essentially what it was. Simone Gold also sent a cease and desist letter to Renette Sunham. I've played her audio on this show regarding Simone Gold, where she was commenting on her having what appeared to be narcissistic tendencies and controlling everything and, you know, and allegedly mis misappropriating funds. And then, of course, Renette Sunham wrote an article about her odd connections with very odd people in politics, asking a lot of questions. See, you get to do that in this country. You get to ask questions. You get to not like people. 
and you get to say that you don't like people and that you don't trust people. And you get to say, you know what, if I was you, I wouldn't trust this person. I wouldn't trust this organization. You get to say that. But Simone Gold is worried. And she's panicking. And she's just one lawsuit after another for this person, that person, whatever else. Now, I don't know if she listens to this show, and frankly, I don't give a damn. We fly we fly on this show below below the radar. We're below the hard deck. We're moving quick. We're taking shots. We're firing. And the audience is so small here and so tight-knit that it reaching anybody larger might be slim to none. I'm fine with that. If she hears this and she doesn't like it, go to hell. I don't care. I had a personal interaction with her. I think she's a piece of trash. That's just me. But more importantly, she's irrelevant. Because America's frontline doctors is irrelevant. I can acquire ivermectin without a prescription at a higher dose and get more of it and have it delivered to my front door in three days. Any day of the week out of seven days. I can make hydroxychloroquine in my own home. Therefore, we don't need gold cure or gold care or whatever the hell it's called. We don't need her around anymore. She got loud. She rallied the troops back in the spring of 2020. Good for her. I'm sure she saved lives by initially having the telemedicine on America's frontline doctors. I used it. Other people did. It didn't save my life, but I'm sure it saved someone's life because they couldn't acquire those drugs from other people. So I'm not saying she hasn't saved lives. I'm not saying that she didn't serve a purpose. All past tense, she served a purpose. The purpose is gone now. Her purpose is gone. She's not relevant. She doesn't get on stage and say anything that's relevant anymore. Which brings me to this too. She also claims, of course, that she's writing a book about January 6th, or already has, and that's been delayed because of all of the lawsuits in XYZ. I don't care about that either. It's irrelevant, because she lied about her participation on January 6th. I've told you that story of when I heard her talk in Cincinnati back in, uh, God, June of 2021 where she was boasting about going into the Capitol building because she, quote-unquote, couldn't find a better or think of a better patriotic place to give a speech once her stage was taken down on the outside, you know, outside of the Capitol building where she was set to give a speech. But she would tell people that she accidentally found her way into the Capitol building because she found herself randomly surrounded by people in a crowd and couldn't get out, and they were all moving and moving her into the Capitol building because, remember, she's the perpetual victim. Here's the thing. Endless footage of her with a bullhorn screaming in the middle of the Capitol, you know, with her boyfriend next to her filming it, rallying up the crowd, doing whatever. She's a liar. That's all. She's just a liar. So, <laughs> you know, you can you can follow liars and and hang your hat on a liar and and bow to the feet of a liar all you'd like. But she's just saying too many things that are lies, which makes her of course a liar. 
So I don't trust her. Haven't since January of, uh, I haven't since January, or I'm sorry, uh, June when I saw her speak, really didn't trust her in July the next month when I saw her in San Antonio. Uh, and I and I still don't trust her now, more so. So, yeah, these people, again, it brings me back to the point of the megachurch mentality, which, by the way, again, one of the members who sits on the board of AFLD is a megachurch person, apparently, and she says that. Now, think about the Reawaken America tour that she, of course, is a part of now after, you know, coming out of jail. It's a mega church mentality, isn't it? Mike Flynn's there and those other grifters and, you know, whatever else. They're all there and they're all getting on stage and they're showing their videos and they're giving their speeches. What are they saying that's new that you can't figure out for yourself by either getting on Gab, Telegram, BitChute, Rumble, excuse me, uh, you know, or Thinking for yourself or having a conversation with other knowledgeable people. They're doing whatever they can, in my opinion, to maintain the big church persona and mentality because that's where they get their money. Now, if you've seen the crowds of these people, no offense, but the crowds that attend these Reawaken America tours, they look like just bloodsuckers with their with their pocketbooks their uh you know their purses open and their pocketbooks open they're 100% fine dishing out their money the same way that an attendee in a big mega church is fine just giving donations and passing the plate and you know making sure that the plate is filled with shekels that's what these people are interested in it's evident it's beyond evident because this is also where they give their speeches in mega churches. Weird. They have to keep that going, though, because they're irrelevant. So they have to brainwash people into believing that what they are saying is ahead of the curve, the tip of the spear, the uh, you know the forethought in a in a confusing world that we are the light in the confusion. They couldn't be more wrong. Their expiration date has long since passed. Same thing with Mike Flynn, in my opinion. Same thing with Clay Clark and all these other goofballs. They're all irrelevant. They're all irrelevant. So, yeah. That's my take on the AFLDS Simone Gold thing. I'll, I'll try to continue to pay attention to that going forward. But there's that hour video that you can go and listen to again. She plays the victim very well, contradicts herself in the video. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what else to say regarding her. It, 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 the milk's gone bad. That's all. The milk's gone bad. Throw it out. Stop paying attention to people like that and ascend. In, in your wavelength of thought and, and the people you follow and the people you listen to and, and things of that nature. That person doesn't have to be me. It can be anybody you want it to be. It, can, it should be God, I hope, but it shouldn't be, you know, 
It shouldn't be these bloodsuckers that are finding themselves on stages all the time asking people to open up their wallets. That's disgusting. Okay, so that's that. Into education here. First of all, this was making the rounds the other day, and I'm not going to play the video here, but you can go and watch it. It's on my Gab page. It's also on the Last War video, I think, episode 379. And uh, it's footage of a, of a woman who apparently is a, it, it appears, I guess, to be a, a preschool teacher, maybe kindergarten, but certainly preschool at the very least. And they have a black doll on their lap, and they're, they're trying to confuse these children that are sitting in front of them about pronoun usage and they don't the doll doesn't view themselves as being a boy or a girl and whatever else again what you're watching is the pure brainwashing that is occurring with children at the hands of these trannies and and these confused brainwashed individuals who happen to allegedly work within these environments in the video however there's a there, there's a split section in the middle of it where this teacher is sitting, again, I assume they're a teacher, but they're sitting in a, in a chair with four other people, uh, other adults, and they're talking about how great it is that these kids are learning about pronouns and learning about gender identities and fluid gender and all this other bullshit. There's two things that need to be brought up that I haven't heard regarding the video, and that's fine. Not everybody's been in the education business nor understands it, so that's why... I have, and, and I'm bringing this up. A long time ago, I mentioned the name, and I've written about this guy in Purposeful Deception in that book, uh, Edward Thorndike. Edward Thorndike is considered the father of modern American educational psychology. Edward Thorndike was a psycho. Edward Thorndike used farm animals to study and then prove that you could get farm animals to do particular things and follow orders and take basic instruction. Therefore, you should treat and can treat school-aged children and students and even teachers and administrators like farm animals. You see, this is how deep the brainwashing goes in the education business is that the people who are working in it and think they are in charge are actually not in charge. They are the victims of a wavelength of thought that came out of the mind of the likes of Edward Thorndike, and that they are actually the useful idiots being used. So, Edward Thorndike even had uh, one very intelligent chicken, and he would, you know, he, he let the smartest chicken that he had live in his home because he's a goofball. So what you're watching really in that video is the work of Edward Thorndike. But it's worse than just getting students to say the same things at the same time or write things down at the same time or in the exact same way or have all students read the same book at the same time, you know, things of that nature. It's, it's worse than that because this has to do with sexual grooming, sexual perversion, and taking one's own personal confusion and then spreading it on 
to children who don't know any better. That's child abuse, of course. There's no other explanation for it. The second thing that exists in that video is when she's sitting, this particular female teacher who tries to dress like a boy, but clearly is a female, is sitting with these three other adults. The one adult on the far right side of the, of the video, in the chairs, she openly says, and I'm paraphrasing her, but she says, well, isn't that great that the students just brought this up to you, that they brought up gender and that conversation to you, and then that opened the door for you to talk about it with the children. That right there is also something in a, a mentality in a classroom setting, in particular in the most radical settings, that has existed since the 60s, at the very least the 60s. It has quite literally become a teacher education strategy that students are taught by their radical professors in order to inject what some would view to be, and many would view to be in this particular case, of course, a controversial subject or a ridiculous subject in a classroom setting, and then justify the teacher's participation in the conversation by blaming it on the student. So if the, if the conversation is so serious or even inappropriate, the, the, the teacher themselves can use it as an excuse if they were to get caught or be held accountable or be disciplined or attempted to be. They could simply say, I didn't bring it up in the classroom. This wasn't a subject that I brought up in a classroom. This was what the students brought up. They brought it up. All I did was just answer their question. All I did was just you know, participate in the conversation that they were having. It's not a part of any lesson that I'm teaching. It's not, you know, whatever else. And they, they disassociate themselves from what they were actually doing in the first place was tricking the child into bringing it up by bringing it up themselves, maybe in a more hidden way or even in a direct way, but even so using the child as the excuse and ultimately lying, excuse me, about the situation to begin with, to, uh, you know, to, to again, in an effort essentially to just bring up these radical ideologies that they have, that have nothing to do with learning how to read and learning how to write and learning how to comprehend and, and whatever else. It is the, it, it's, a, it's a nefarious strategy. It's something that has existed for a very long time. It isn't new. It's something, again, that I saw when I was a school teacher among people. Teachers would openly say, hey, look, you know, sometimes we talk about this subject. And I'm going, why do you talk about that? And they go, well, all you have to do is get the students to talk about it, and then you can jump in as a teacher and start talking about it. That way, if anybody complains, all I have to do is say, I didn't bring it up as the teacher. It was the students who brought it up. So I witnessed that over 10 years ago when I taught school. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not a new thing. It's a, it's a horrible strategy. It's manipulation, without a doubt. And, and that's really what's going on there, is you're watching individuals justify their participation in confusing children, and then, of course, rewriting what's actually happening into making it sound like they're doing the right thing by confusing them or having the conversation about fluid gender, 
there's no such thing as fluid gender. Even one of the little kids consistently refers to the doll as a he, which is hilarious because you can see the teacher just become sort of annoyed with the fact that that's what they're calling this particular doll instead of calling it they. You see how far we've fallen? <laughs> I mean, do you, do you see how far we've fallen as a society when this is the conversation that we have to have? It's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. If my child was in that video, which they wouldn't be, I don't have children, but if I did and they were in that video, which is impossible, they'd be out of that situation in the blink of an eye. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the American K-12 landscape in a nutshell. I understand fully, and I want to reiterate this, that I know that there are excellent private schools that exist that don't do any of this woke nonsense and this Marxist ideology nonsense or Bolshevik tactics and whatever else. I know that that's true. The only issue I have with those schools that don't do things like that is, is what are they actually teaching specifically regarding their curriculum, and is that accurate? That's what I have a problem with. So there are different levels of concern that I would say regarding what goes on in schools. This, of course, the recent example I just brought up with the you know g- gender fluid nonsense, that's, that's the scum at the bottom of the, of the septic tank. I mean, that's way down there as far as, uh, you know, how bad it can possibly get. Uh, yeah, the next thing, you know, you know, I don't know. They're all sharing the same bathroom, regardless of whether they're boys and girls and then so on and so forth. So it's just perverse people pushing their perversions and their brainwashed ideologies on, on children. And the sad part, of course, is that it's the adults that have been brainwashed from the start. They bought into this. And this is rampant across the entire education landscape. It's across the entire thing. Um, it's at every, you know, it's at every conference, it's in every uh research organization, it's it's all of them. They all sound like that person. So that's not gonna get better. But yeah. There you go. Okay. Moving on here very quickly, the teacher in Virginia who was shot by the six-year-old black student plans to sue the school district. That's a good thing. They should sue the school district. I hope they left the school district first. I hope they don't return um, as they're healing up their wounds from being shot by a black six-year-old. But there you go. Abigail Zwerner, 25-year-old. Uh, yeah, that's her name. Sue him. Sue him right into the ground. How on earth did a six-year-old walk in with a gun? Sue him. And they're going to win a ton of money. At the very least, their medical bills are going to be paid. And, uh, they they should, uh, I mean, they should, they should get millions, to be frank, because now, you know, they almost can't teach anywhere because everybody knows her name and knows the situation. Yeah. And again, I don't think she was a guilty party. I don't, I don't think she did anything that would warrant her being shot. You know, <laughs> what did she say to deserve that? I don't, I don't think, you know, she was abusing the kid or anything. I just think the kid's a whack job. And it's probably, again, one of those examples. In fact, I think I read this, that it was a, at least the parents of the kid were saying it was a manifestation of his disability. 
that's common terminology in education too when it comes to special ed kids um you know or the, or the or clearly mentally disabled and and students who have paperwork is they they refer to it as a manifestation of their disability which means that student will find their way back into that school district almost guaranteed cuz this kid's too young to be in juvenile detention and they can't be tried as an adult which means what it means they're going to go right back into that school district or a neighboring school district somebody's going to get that kid and a, and a, a 6 year old who engaged in attempted murder so there you have it uh, okay, next. Here we go. I've got some audio here. This is a delightful story. Just kidding. Um, it's from fox5dc.com. More stuff out of Virginia, as we would expect. Arlington Education Association president arrested for embezzling over $400,000. Give this a listen in three, two, one. We begin with a story you first saw on Fox 5. The former Arlington Education Association president is charged with four counts of embezzlement after being accused of stealing nearly half a million dollars. The AEA is the local union for Arlington public school teachers. Fox 5 Sarah Fox is first to report on this. She's in Woodbridge with the details. The mission of the Arlington Education Association is to be advocating for teachers, but instead, the former president, Ingrid Gant, seemed to be advocating for herself. According to Fairfax County Police, she stole more than $400,000 from the organization. Take a look. I knocked on Gant's door to give her the opportunity to explain why she allegedly embezzled money from the AEA, but she wasn't home. Gant was the president of the local union for six years, and her job included handling funds. Fairfax County Police say AEA board members grew concerned after Gant failed to provide financial reports and did not file tax returns, so she was fired in March 2022. Calibri CPA Group was hired by AEA to conduct an internal audit that uncovered Gant did in fact steal money. After six months of reviewing activity, investigators discovered Gant gifted herself $350,000 worth of bonuses from 2020 to 2022. On top of that, she allegedly charged $70,000 on business debit cards for personal items like gas, food, and even Amazon purchases. Captain Ryan Lazisky says embezzlement cases like this are more common than people think. It's unfortunate. Um, it's, an, it's unfortunate that people will take advantage. Um, th that association is set up and built to protect teachers. Um, so it's sad to see that teachers were taken advantage of. This money is to go for them. The AEA represents thousands of Arlington public school teachers and the new president sent Fox 5 this statement that reads, AEA is pursuing all legal channels to recoup any lost funds and hold those responsible accountable. Under its new leadership, AEA has already implemented stronger financial controls and trans parent reporting practices to ensure sound operation. Gant was arrested at her Prince William County home, but has since been released on an unsecured bond. This investigation is ongoing, and of course, Fox 5 will keep you up to date with the very latest. Now do COVID money. Now how about everybody investigate where all that COVID money went? All that CARES Act and ESSER funds money. You'd better believe copious amounts of people stole that cash too. Now, this is a little different, although I'm certain that even though this person hasn't worked since 2012 and is just now being investigated, I bet some of that ESSER and CARES Act money has disappeared also. 
Again, it's an education association, so they're taking fees from teachers under the, you know, the 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 membership. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's useless. T- teachers who are a part of associations are always wasting their money, because it's all, of course, under the guise of of receiving protection, legal protection. We'll come to your aid if someone uh, falsely accuses you of something or you need our help. It's ridiculous. They do well to just set up a separate bank account as school teachers and hire their own lawyer. But they don't. They rely on the criminal organization to protect them in a criminal organization. It's nuts. And then you get people like this, who again have oversight over millions of dollars, and you think they're not going to scrape a little off the top? Half a million dollars isn't a little. And that's a great deal of money. At least, I think it was, or at least 350000 whatever the hell it was. But my God, that's a lot of Amazon receipts. They're going to have to send a lot of things back. It's, uh, it's disgusting, but that's the business. So expect nothing less. Here's the next one. Cicely tossed this my way. This is from The Federalist. It is titled, Email Shows Buck County Schools Closures Weren't Just Bad for Kids. They were illegal. This comes from Pennsylvania, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, home of the state's third largest school district, reveals district leaders knew they were violating state law when they locked students out of the classroom after the 2019-2020 academic year. Years later, it's finally coming to light. In July of 2020, an email from then-Central Bucks Superintendent John Kapicki, if I'm saying that right, don't care, acknowledged the legal limits to online instruction for the upcoming school year. Quote, hybrid options and staggered schedule options are not legal as of today, absent a waiver or legislative change. The email read, no waiver from the state house ever came, but the schools shut down anyway. At the onset of the coronavirus pandemic, no virus, no pandemic, state, law, uh, state lawmakers offered schools flexibility from Pennsylvania's 180, 990, and 900 rule, which requires students to be in the classroom for 180 days for 990 hours in secondary school and 900 hours in elementary school. The legislator granted districts a suspension of the requirement. For the remainder of the 2019-2020 academic calendar, but refused to renew the waiver over these subsequent school years. This brings in, in my opinion, a larger issue, which is, which I, I texted Sicily this, and we were having a conversation back and forth, and it's basically, this is where these organizations and these state officials are going to swoop in and claim that they are now the heroes for the very thing that they caused in the first place of which was illegal. You know, I mean, we can expect endless school officials to to take that approach. Well, we didn't know it was bad, but, you know, we didn't know it was illegal and we didn't know it was going to harm people, but don't worry, we now have the solution. How much longer are people going to continue to trust these people? They openly break the law. Your average citizen can see that they're breaking the law. Your average citizen can look up that they're breaking the law. 
So how much longer does, does I mean, are, are people going to trust these people and trust these criminal organizations? Again, you know, the, uh, it's just temple rubbing madness here, but you watch, for example, in a Becca video on YouTube, parents or even a single parent with their children having a great time learning separate from these criminal organizations and talking about how free they, they get to learn about, about very serious subjects and, you know, and, and it's rigorous, but not, but not exhausting. And, you know, they're seeing great gains in their children and behaviorally they're, they're, you know, they're behaving the way that you would expect a civil human being to behave. And then you have the zoo that is the American K-12 school system. It's just a zoo. It's the elephant house and no one's cleaning up the shit. It's just the mounds of shit are just getting bigger and bigger inside of the elephant house and everybody's going, don't worry, don't worry. We're going to clean it all up. We promise, you know, next year we'll get it right. Meanwhile, the family that's using Abeka.com is having a joyous time. It's peaceful. Everything is fine. None of this illegality anywhere. It's A and Z. Again, back to the tranny, you know, uh, whatever, the non-binary teacher with the doll who's non-binary sitting on their lap talking with children about gender fluidity. You have that on one end of the spectrum, and then you have abeka.com on the other, where individuals can learn to think for themselves, teach themselves, have instruction from, from competent, you assume, competent teachers on a screen teaching them subjects. The students themselves can put down the subject when they want. They can pick it up when they want. They can do it on their own time. They can time manage. They can learn these life skills without having tater tots thrown at the back of their head or fear of being swirlied in the locker room. You see what I mean? There are other options. But if you want to keep sending your kids to the elephant house, be my guest. Go for it. I mean, it's only a matter of time before they're going to get hurt. It's only a matter of time before something is going to happen to them. It blows me away, but it just can, you know, it, it keeps happening. It just keeps happening. When was the last time you heard, again, a successful story? I mean, a real one, not a fabricated one, not a PR stunt, but a real success story come out of a public school. I mean, a real one. You know, not some kid, you know, in a 4-H group who raised a hog that won an award. That's not, uh, you know, that's not academic. That's not what I'm talking about. When was the last time you heard something really good come out of a public environment? In the field of education. I can't think of one. And if there is one, it's something backwards like, a student or a staff member tackled another student who was stabbing another student to death. Thank God they got there in time because the individual with 20 stab wounds is going to make it. If, it, if they'd have gotten stabbed that 21st time, well, they wouldn't have make it, you know, made it. These teachers and students are heroes. 
I mean, it's something like that. It's not uh, everybody behaves perfectly. Everybody has excellent grades. They all achieve at high levels. These are the future leaders of America. You never hear that. That never happens because it's not happening. And here's another one. Here's just another example. Uh, I'm just going to read the title of this. This comes from Breitbart. USAID, USAID, tells teachers to hide students' gender identity from parents. The Agency for International Development, or USAID, instructs education officials to hide students' gender identities and sexual orientation from their parents. Trust government, ladies and gentlemen. Trust government. They know exactly what's best for your children. Now it's time, I think, to get into the died suddenly stuff regarding college campuses and school teachers, don't you? It's, it's that time again, that old yarn. Uh, this is from the Western Journal. 18-year-old college student dies after becoming unresponsive while exercising on campus. College freshman collapsed and died yesterday while exercising on campus, according to a statement from his university. There's an irony here, too, which is a bit odd. Um, 18-year-old Steven Spellman became unresponsive, quote-unquote, during his workout on the campus of Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, according to the statement. Of course, Grand Canyon is both a brick-and-mortar school and an online school and claims to be a Christian school. So it's not that uh, there wouldn't be jabbed people there. There certainly are, and apparently in this case, that's probably the situation. Attempts to revive him at the scene were unsuccessful, transported to the hospital, and pronounced dead. Private Christian University rooted in the Christian faith and biblical values. It makes you wonder again, did they push the masks? Did they push the jabs? I'm telling you what, if they did and the parents know it, they're in deep trouble. They should be in deep legal trouble. Which brings this point up too very quickly. I don't think I said it in the last episode, but uh, Karen Kingston was on Stu Peters. I did put this on my gab. Karen Kingston was on Stu Peters, and she brought up how based on the Geneva Convention in the late 40s, I think it was 48 or 49, um, you can hold pharmaceutical companies liable for damaging people. And she claims that all of the individuals saying that you can't sue these pharmaceutical companies for what they're doing regarding the jab is untrue. So there's that. Same thing I would assume with universities and public schools and so on and so forth. Again, this is going to be a major shoe to drop, as you've heard me say, in particular in the public school realm, but certainly at the university level, but only really in the public school realm publicly and on video when school boards are confronted by the family members and friends of jab-injured or jab-dead students or staff. Because it's the staff members, of course, that were coerced in many cases. Of course, they thought about it for themselves but and were brainwashed themselves. But it was the school board members that were telling everybody on a constant basis on all of their videos, in particular where I live. And this isn't the only case. It's not singular. That, uh, that everybody needs to get the COVID jabs because it's the best, it's, you know, it's the best way to prevent against COVID. That's going to come back and bite them square in the ass. There's no way around it. Here's another one. 
Another died suddenly. Uh, Louisville, Kentucky head soccer coach at DeSale, DeSales High School dead at 55 following a heart attack. Quote unquote, suddenly. Smith had been coaching uh, Mockingbird Valley's under 19 team. Quote, he always saw something positive in everybody, said the Courier Journal. And he's dead. This has to be happening on every within every K-12 school district, even if it's a secretary who passes away and it's not, you know, making the nightly news. They're just passing it off as being something else. So, yeah, it's not, it's not stopping. Neither are the excuse making, uh, the excuses that are being made rather. And, and this right here proves it. Here's an article. Now we're, we're diving headfirst into the jab stuff. And I'm going to get to the Pfizer, uh, Veritas video in just a minute. This comes from IQFY.com. Give this a read or a listen rather as I read this because this is this is rich. It's titled in their health and wellness section, quote, they knew why didn't the unvaccinated do more to warn us? It's a standard uh, standard step in the old, what is it, stages of grief. Stages of loss, stages of grief, something like that. They're just blaming us now for not telling them soon enough. See, this is the overarching problem. People need people to tell them the truth, and then they just do what people tell them to do. That's always going to get you killed. I mean, that's always going to get a person killed. Well, I just did what they said. Well, good. Now you're dead or you're dying. And it doesn't even have to be jab related. Well, they told me I didn't have to buckle my seatbelt, so I didn't. They told me I could speed down the road in the middle, right in the middle of the of the yellow line, so I did. I'm telling you what, it's incredible. The subtitle of this is The Unvaccinated Knew What We Didn't. Some of them said too little. Most said nothing at all. A lot of blood is now on their hands. Okay. It continues, it says, as the world struggles to come to terms with the devastating effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, not a pandemic, one question that continues to surface is why the unvaccinated didn't do more to warn us about the potential dangers of being injected. While, we while well-intended citizens lined up, did the right thing, and received their COVID-19 vaccinations, not a vaccine, not what COVID stands for, uh, now seeming to do more harm than good, their unvaccinated friends stood by and let them do it. Some of them said too little, some said nothing at all, even though we knew what we didn't. Even though they knew what we didn't, I mean. It says, our blood is now on their hands. Those are strong words, but the unvaccinated had access to important information about the potential side effects of vaccines. They knew about the risks of severe allergic reactions, blood clots, and other serious health complications. They knew the vaccines did not immunize us. They knew it wasn't effective and that they can cause more harm than good. They knew all of that. But instead of warning us, the unvaccinated chose to remain silent. They chose to look the other way and not speak out about the potential dangers of vaccines. They let millions of good folks who did the right thing at the time 
fall to death and disease, and many anti-vaxxers even gloated online about their own, I'm sorry, about their coin flip had been right, had been the, about how their coin flip had been the right bet, not a coin flip. It's called common sense. The more diabolical even urged folks they disagreed with to get boosted, quote unquote. It's almost like this person's read my gab page. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's, it is funny, actually. Um, and of course, they're brainwashed and stupid and probably jabbed. It continues, it says, it's become all too clear the science of the unvaccinated was a dangerous, uh, I'm sorry, the silence of the unvaccinated was a dangerous, psycho, uh, sociopathic, and irresponsible decision that has had serious consequences for those of us who received the vaccinations. The silence is, after all, consent. It's time for the unvaccinated to take responsibility for their actions and to work with the rest of us to find a solution to the crisis. We cannot afford to let their selfishness and lack of action continue to harm our communities. It is time for the unvaccinated to step up and do the right thing. The unvaccinated should, by any moral measuring stick, have done more to warn us about the potential risks to help us make informed decisions about our health. Oh, God, this is great. And they must now ask us for our forgiveness. And hand to heart, we may just give it to them because we are good people. We took those injections because it was the right thing to do until it wasn't, unquote. No, we warned you. We warned you. We told you. You didn't listen to us. You wouldn't have listened to us. You mocked us. You name-called. And we know that Individual personal responsibility is the only thing that matters. That's not what you all believe. You all believe in falling in line, doing what the TV tells you, and look where it's gotten you. It's not that we're rubbing it in, although we rub it in from time to time, but we know what's going to happen, and we're not happy about that. The people you should get mad at are the companies. And then, of course, you should go and purchase a mirror, regardless of the size, preferably one that allows you to see your face, and then slowly hold it up right in front of yourselves and blame that person, because you're the one to blame too. The brainwashers themselves are to blame, but we weren't them. This article really requires zero analytical time whatsoever, nor an explanation. I apologize for nothing. Zero. Period. I warned people, you didn't listen. You called us stupid. You name called us. And then we walked away from you. And now, of course, you're stuck with it. So, good luck. Good luck. Start reading our gab pages. Start listening to our shows. Start listening. It's that listening thing that many of the jabbed cannot do. I mean, they have two ears, two eyes, and one mouth. Shut the one thing and leave the other four holes open, and you'll be fine. Just listen and look. And then, of course, think. Ask questions. You'll arrive at answers. But too bad for you. 
You know, somebody gets stuck without a chair when the music stops. We're not even playing the game because we don't give a damn about the music nor the chairs. So, yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay, moving on. The Project Veritas video. Okay, first of all, well done, I guess. Second of all, a couple of things in there that I'm not seeing people talk about. You've heard me bring it up a thousand times. Uh, The guy in the video who's caught talking about the manipulation of the poison, or he calls them viruses, is actually openly admitting, although he doesn't know it, he's openly admitting that viruses don't exist. What he says in that video is exactly what I said in the previous episodes of this show. He, He actually says they're taking poisonous cells or viruses, as he says. So when you go back and watch the video, and I highly recommend it, every time he says the word variant or virus, just replace it with the word poison and different poison. What he's doing is, is he's openly telling you that they're taking a dead monkey, sucking the juice out of the monkey, putting it into a live monkey, killing that monkey, and then letting that monkey die and then sucking the juices out of that monkey, and then putting it into something else. That defined, in the, basically in the effort to create more poison, or as he says, more viruses. Viruses aren't real. There's just poison. So they're openly creating poison, and he's admitting to this. I don't know what else I can add. He didn't kill himself, I'll say that. Maybe he does kill himself, but, you know, he'll disappear quickly. And the other thing, too, is just kind of a, a, a general observation about the Veritas videos, almost all of them, in particular the, you know, the bad people who are caught on camera. Have you noticed that they're all really dumb and they all seem really unqualified and really evil? I mean, they all seem to share those three characteristics, don't they? They're evil. They're, they're void of any morals or values. They don't sound intelligent, which makes me wonder how on earth that particular individual became, uh, you know, associated with Pfizer in the first place. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but either way, you know, they're openly admitting again that, that they're poisoning people and that this is their plan and they're just going to manipulate the poison in order to create more poison that people will take, and then that will be that. They just want people dead. Again, I, I don't know what else to say. They, they want people so brainwashed that they want them to actually take these booster shots every two months. Anybody still doing this is going to die. The people who did it already are going to die, but now this is just going to be you know a constant thing. Uh, again, the guy's name is Jordan Tristan, Tristan, however you pronounce it, Walker, Pfizer Director of Research and Development. I find this hard to believe. There must be some kind of a psychological test that these individuals have to take to obtain these positions. There has to be some screening process that involves a psychological test. Are you, are you void of emotion? Yes. Do you have morals and values? No. Do you sound like a crazy person? Yes. Do you have bug eyes? Yes. You're hired. 
that that must be the process. It has to be. I don't I don't know how else these people get these positions. They of course are the useful idiots and and we know that, but yeah, there you go. Here here's the next one. Um hot off the presses here from the peer reviewed universe. This comes from BMC Infectious Diseases, part of Springer Nature. Those are all the titles of this journal, apparently. This was from January 24th. Again, very new. It is titled, The Role of Social Circle COVID-19 Illness and Vaccination Experiences in COVID-19 Vaccination Decisions, an online survey of the United States population. Allow me to read the abstract from uh, Mark Skidmore. Background. It says the following here, quote, Around the world, policymakers have clearly communicated that COVID-19 vaccination programs need to be accepted by a large portion of the population to allow life return to normal. Life to return to normal? Okay. Typo. Either way. Uh, however, according to the Center for Disease Control, about 31% of the United States population had not completed the primary vaccination series as of November of 2022. The primary aim of this work is to identify the factors associated by American citizens with the decision to be vaccinated against COVID-19. In addition, the proportion of fatal events from COVID-19 vaccinations was estimated and compared with the data in the VAERS database. The online survey of COVID-19 health experiences was conducted. Information was collected regarding reasons for and against COVID-19 inoculations, experiences with COVID-19 illness and COVID-19 inoculations by survey respondents and their social circles. Logistic regression analysis were carried out to identify factors influencing the likelihood of being vaccinated. The results. A total of 2,840 participants completed the survey between December 18th and the 23rd of 2021. 51%, or 1,383, of the 200 and I'm sorry, 2,840 participants were female, and the mean age was 47, 95%, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Uh, those who knew someone who experienced a health problem from COVID 19 were more likely to be vaccinated, while those who knew someone who experienced a health problem following the vaccination were less likely to be vaccinated. 34% reported that they knew at least one person who had experienced a significant health problem due to the COVID-19 illness. Similarly, 22% of the respondents indicated that they knew at least one person who had experienced a severe health problem following COVID-19 vaccination. With these survey data, the total number of fatalities due to COVID-19 inoculation may be as high as 278,000 people when fatalities that may have occurred regardless of inoculation are removed. Conclusion Knowing someone who reported serious health issues either from COVID-19 or from COVID-19 vaccination are important factors 
for the decision to get vaccinated. The large difference in the possible number of fatalities due to COVID-19 vaccination that emerges from this survey and the available governmental data should be further investigated, unquote. They're openly stating here that approximately 278,000 have died from the, from the jabs themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, that's on the low end. That's, that's incredibly on the low end. It's far worse than that. But either way, it's a valid survey because it's openly stating that people are less likely to take it the more that they hear about people dying from it. And now, of course, it's everywhere. Died Suddenly has its own Twitter page. Died Suddenly trends on Twitter all of the time. It's unavoidable. You have to completely have your head in the sand and, and paying attention to endless other things that are, that are not relevant to the world we live in in order, in, in order to still be victimized by this. And we know that those people are out there. We know that that exists. That continues to be a thing. It's not going away. Here's the next one. Again, headline from the expose. Pfizer lied and half a million children died. In the United States alone, according to secret CDC data. Uh, yeah. I put that article out on Gab again. It exists. It says the OECD hosts a wealth of data on excess deaths, including figures provided by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Using this data, we can see the excess deaths among children and young adults aged 0 to 44 in the United States by week in the 2020 and 2021 year span. And there's the chart, and there you go. So head on over to the expose and check that out further if you are interested. Here's another one, and, uh, and this, is, this is disturbing too, which again is going to lead me to two other things that I want to bring up. I'm going to play a Maria Z audio here in just a second, and then I have a story from our Louisiana educator regarding her teenage son and requiring a physical to play sports and what that experience was like. And this right here will show this article and this, this write-up on uh, leehoman.com will show clearly that doctors are being incentivized to not only give jabs, but at the very least bring them up and pressure their patients, which would imply that there's probably some kind of a checkbox that exists somewhere on the doctor's paperwork that basically says, yes, we told them about vaccinations. Yes, we pressured them. Even though they declined, we still pressured them, and uh, now you can pay me more money as a result. This is from ICD-10, or it's titled that, Exclusive Special Report, Medical Profession Implements WHO Digital Diagnosis Code for the Unvaxxed. Doctors will be incentivized, quote-unquote, by the government to start asking more questions about your vax status. It says a set of international codes are used by the medical industry for billing purposes under Medicare, Medicaid, and the private insurance companies, but it's not just about billing. These codes are a part of the International Classification of Diseases, or disease, 
system set forth by the United Nations World Health Organization, and they're about to get far more evasive or invasive. It says the system was originally created after World War II for the purpose of tracking and diagnosing the major diseases within a population. But over the years, there have been 11 major revisions, and with each revision, the data being collected on each individual has become more precise and all-inclusive. More than 1.6 million clinical situations can now be coded according to the WHO website. This is a lengthy article, very lengthy. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But it's getting worse, so much so to the point where it's only a matter of time before they just straight up force this. And we know that there are particular proving grounds where they're doing this, Australia being one of them. We can assume New Zealand is probably going to do the same thing, maybe Canada, uh, European countries, hard to tell. Because, of course, when it came to tyranny, they were hit the hardest first, and then America followed, and then America, of course, fought back, and then these other countries fought back. But the enemy is is gathering the troops, essentially, to make their next wave of attacks. Here's Maria Z describing the situation in Australia in 3-2-1 and what's coming. The World Health Organization is attempting a global power grab by seeking to have its 194 member states adopt amendments to the international health regulations, as well as adopt a completely new international agreement commonly referred to as the proposed pandemic treaty. This will apply to Australia. The proposed amendments would make the WHO's proclamations legally binding for our country rather than just advisory recommendations. They've used words such as punishment, and forced vaccinations for people and countries that don't comply in future. These changes would institute global digital health certificates, also known as vaccine passes, enable the WHO to enforce medical procedures, injections, force people to submit to regular testing, dramatically increase the billions of dollars available to the WHO and enable nations to implement the regulations without the respect for the dignity human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. In fact, they've actually crossed those words out in their proposed amendments, indicating that they will not consider those things in future pandemic responses. Senators Alex Antic, Gerard Rennick and Malcolm Roberts have all spoken out against this, and we need your help now. Here's what you can do. Visit AustraliaExitsTheWho.com from your computer and watch Senator Antic and Senator Roberts' videos on the matter. Scroll down the page and follow the three easy steps to notify senators and MPs. Step one is to click the button and copy the letter. Now scroll down and select the state that you live in, which will give you a list of all of the representatives in your state. Simply click send email next to the first representative. This will open up a new window using your preferred email application. Simply paste the copied text into the body of the email and it will pre-populate the letter for you, as you can see here. Remember to sign off with your name, address, phone number and email address. As we all know, politicians will only take requests seriously if people identify themselves 
And the reason why a title isn't pre-populated for you is because if everyone uses the same title, it will be viewed as spam. So remember to use something unique to your views, not exactly this, but this is just an example, unique to your views that represents how you feel about this while remaining respectful in your title. Once you've sent the email, go back to the website and repeat this process for every representative within your state. The other option that you have, of course, is to copy and paste all of these into one email template and send it one time. But don't stop there. After doing this, phone them, visit them. Do not stop following them up until you get a response from them on the most dangerous threat facing our country to date happening as we speak. If we don't stop this, we will never see medical freedom again in this country. In fact, it will be used to control every aspect of our lives. And God only knows what sorts of measures the WHO will implement next time around, given their previous recommendations. Please share this everywhere and visit AustraliaExitsTheWho.com. Australia, we need you. So just to review from previous episodes where you've heard me bring this up, the pandemic treaty thing isn't a conspiracy theory. It is a conspiracy fact. It is real. Yes, people have argued, well, that would never happen in the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, it is happening in the United States. That's why people are trying to find alternative medicine outlets to receive logical information from still license-holding medical professionals who aren't playing this game. And of course, that's becoming a difficult thing to do, but you have to bounce around the internet and find these individuals in order to get done what you need to get done. And of course, staying out of hospitals matters and a variety of other things. Even the alleged replacement for Jacinda Ardern in uh, in New Zealand has openly stated on camera that he wants to find people who are unjabbed and not make it a choice anymore. Again, this is what they have planned. This is going forward. Now, if you recall in a previous episode where I read that anonymous scenario about how they're trying to trick us to destroy our own governments in order to then hang all of them in the street, and hold them all accountable to only usher in a one-world government eventually. I don't see the citizens who are innocent, who know what's been going on, allowing such a thing to happen. They wouldn't allow a one-world government to, to be ushered in, and I think we would be able to recognize what that would look like. I don't see that happening in Canada or the United States or Australia or Mexico or New Zealand or other European countries. I really don't. The citizens who are awake wouldn't allow such a thing to occur because if they're already in the business of destroying their own governments, because of everything that's coming out and all the information that's coming out, why would they all of a sudden let more government come in? In particular, government, I should say, that would pretend to be the savior of humanity. It's not government that's the savior, it's us. It's we, the people. We are the savior, not, not bureaucrats. And I think we all know that. But that doesn't mean, again, that the enemy's not going to continue to do this because they are doing it. This is, this is a thing. Which leads me to this now. 
this is the story from again our uh, a contributor to the show clearly and our Louisiana educator and they said this regarding their own child's experience and, and their experience at the doctor's office the other day just to acquire a physical for uh, you know to play sports. They said the following here, quote, I've had an interesting afternoon and a story to share with you. I apologize for the length. They said my youngest son is 16 years old, a sophomore that doesn't attend a, that, that attends rather a very small private Christian school. Other than April 12th of 2020 through the end of May of 2020, our little school never closed down or, or changed for COVID. No masks, no virtual, no jabs, no mandates. See, that's awesome. And by the way, again, those schools do exist, which is great. It says he's an honor student and has played varsity high school baseball as a pitcher since eighth grade. Well, this year, all high school athletes were required to have a physical to play sports. I assume it's due to the rise in students suddenly collapsing. Well, today, was our appointment with his doctor, who he has not seen since he was 13. They said, number one, he was asked if he still goes by his name or if he has a preference to another name. Ah, the old name game. The old pronouns. Uh, He looked at her as if she was a bit nuts, chuckled, and said, yes, ma'am, I do. That went pretty good, I think. Then number two, they said, she proceeded to inform me of the vaccines that he was due for. I politely declined, saying that we weren't doing any of those. In disbelief, she said, quote, not even the meningitis or flu shots, unquote. I responded again, and thank you. I I responded again, no thank you. Again, she asked, you sure? after I assured her that I was. And then they wrote number three. She then turned to my son with her back to me and proceeded to explain to him how meningitis is a bacteria that can cause an infection around your brain, how it could cripple or even kill you and make you extremely ill, and that she wouldn't give you a shot for something that wasn't real. Uh, Was that a jab at me, they said? She also went on to say how you need to get it for college and to play sports, to work, or do anything, etc. And that you have to have these! Uh, They then wrote all of this with their back to me as if I didn't exist. Oh, I was pissed and about to jump in when my son spoke up. He confidently said to her, no ma'am. You don't, and that's just not true. That there are waivers and exemptions that you can that you can use. She dropped the subject. I don't preach, but he's listening. Smiley face emoji. Yes, no doubt about it, and that's awesome. She concludes the visit by telling him that he is in the 85th percentile in his growth rate and looks to still be growing and that he's very healthy. Uh, that all of his lab work has come back great. I said, quote, well, of course he is. He isn't jabbed for COVID, takes his vitamins, eats well, spends time outside and exercises daily. Why wouldn't he be? Unquote. 
She said, I couldn't help it. I had to point out the obvious. Again, I apologize for the length and the backstory, but I know that I'm doing the right thing for my youngest son. I only wish I had done better for my oldest. See, that right there, that's perfect. You know, if, if you have to play that game of, of attending a doctor's office, then you have to stick it to them. Um, they can't deny you services. They can't deny you the things that, that you are there to receive. Again, a written form or, or whatever it may be, or a prescription for something that you really need a prescription for. What they don't get to do is engage in the coercion like what they were doing there. That right there is, has, has gotten copious amounts of people killed. They themselves are probably jabbed. They've gotten their own patients killed. It's almost a certainty. And that's not going to stop unless they stop. It's, it's disgusting. Again, the entire, the entire profession is completely shot. And, and numerous people know this. And, uh, and they, of course, know it too. Which is why I'm certain in the future they're they're not going to attend that particular doctor anymore, and uh, you know find some online alternatives. I'm I'm certain of it. You know, just to go back to and, and revisit the the Maria Z stuff also, and and how all of this ties in together. This again is something that even Cliff High discusses with regularity that he's doing in Washington State. And for those of you who listen to Cliff High, you know what I'm talking about. He's on BitChute. I recommend his videos. But he's been emailing the city councils and the government officials where he lives consistently and saying, this is happening. Here's what's happening. Here's some more articles that are saying people are dying and you're still doing this. Here's what's happening. That way, again, he can use it in a court of law down the line if he has to, if these people say, well, we didn't know. Well, we have no idea. Of course they know. Because they're being emailed constantly. I've e emailed our sheriff's department. I've talked with a deputy. I've told them this is a biological weapon. Th they took my driver's license, wrote it down as, as a case report or whatever. I'm on record, as is Kim Carter, as having done this also. Do I email these people uh, you know, profusely and, and with regularity like Cliff High does? No. I probably should. Um, and yeah, and I, and I probably will here in the future, but I, I would suggest again that, that we, that we get on that aspect of it, that we, we find a set of, you know, a specific set of documents and, and we consistently email these individuals, um, albeit maybe anonymously if, if we're in fear of something happening to us, but we email them and we let them know that they're going to be legally held accountable for continuing to push these shots on people because they're getting people killed. So there's that. Um, yeah, I will do that in the future. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick that up here very shortly. I, I'm going to find these particular documents that I, that I want to highlight. Maybe I'll... Um, make mention of them here on the show as to what I'm using, and then email that out. Well, that pretty much wraps up the episode. Here's what I'm going to include in the description below if you're interested. It is a historic document from 1899, and it is titled Merck's 1899 Manual. And it's a medical manual that basically has a bunch of therapeutic indications in its classifications and, uh, and things that can be done apparently at home. 
This is an example of a historic document that existed before the Rockefellers took things over and turned the entire medical industry into a poisoning industry. So check the description below for that. If you are interested, I highly recommend downloading it to a computer and keeping a copy for yourself. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend. I'll catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.